0: Prepare to experience marketing nirvana right now. Here are your hosts.
1: Hello, listeners. Welcome to Marketing Nirvana. I'm your host, Brad Geddes, the founder of Certified Knowledge. We're a marketing training and tool company. And on this show, we investigate various ways in which your marketing efforts can reach a state of nirvana. You can find show notes and other information about our guests on certifiedknowledge.org. So on this show, we often talk about traffic acquisition. That's what AdWords is, or Facebook, it's a traffic acquisition channel. However, if you get a million visits a day, and none become customers, who cares? It's just a waste of bandwidth. So today, we're going to talk about conversions. So I have a special guest with me today, uh, Brian Massey. Brian's Hi. a conversion scientist, complete with lab coat and everything. Um, so welcome, Brian. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, and in fact, you recently wrote a book um, called Your Customer Creation Equation, uh, correct? Yes, subtitled, Unexpected Website Formulas of the Conversion Scientist. Perfect. So I, um, I actually read 90% of this book last night and found it was um, a great primer for anyone who hasn't done a lot of this. And there's, still, there's nuggets for, for more educated you know, listeners as well. Um, but one thing that i found intriguing was in fact i believe it's chapter 8 but it's um it's the concept of building your landing page backwards you know mm-hmm. most people start with a template right and you've already got a template for your blog or for your site and you're you're forced within a template and and you say you know throw away the template and let's do it backwards why do you take this approach
2: well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, the biggest thing we look for on landing pages is opportunities for distraction. And so if you start with the template, you've already got uh, the corporate navigation across the top. You've probably got a standardized header and logo, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but there's a proper use for it. Um, uh, inevitably there will be a, a sidebar either on the left or the right that has standard stuff that appears on every page. And it can range from everything from um, links to, to uh, blogs, ads for products, uh, and things that are just going to distract from what the landing page is. A landing page is a very single-minded page. Keep the promise that was made before the click and get the visitor to complete a specific action. So, the so, template takes from that
1: so let 's let 's define landing page for a second right because here 's okay, so that concept makes sense if it 's a lead generation form um, but let 's say it 's an e commerce site mm-hmm. do, you, do you apply the same template here where each product page is a landing page, or sometimes you have to work within a template instead
2: so uh, often a, an e commerce site is dynamically driven, so it 's typical what we call catalog e-commerce site where there's multiple products and they're, they're dropped into a template. Um, but I'll tell you what we found is that uh, every audience is different, but we frequently find in our tests that removing the sidebar navigation, the, the secondary navigation, will actually increase um, conversion rates and increase revenue per visit. So um, even if you can't start with the button, if you were to on paper – Start with the add to cart button and build from there. And say, what do they need to know about this product? What do they need to know about um, uh, our business to to feel comfortable uh, purchasing from us? And only add those elements to the page. Then you'll find yourself with a stronger page. Uh, a great example is a lot of uh, uh, sites that have ratings and reviews, which is a great accelerator to have on your product pages. They'll have write a review near the top above the fold um on the product page well this this can be a distraction, and especially someone who's not bought that product yet, it's really out of context so should write a review be there or should write a review be someplace? either out of the way or not even on the page, and you should use a secondary emailing to get those reviews. That's an example of keeping it simple. The, the bottom line of this backwards development is you end up with a much simpler web page than what you would start with if you started with a template. And okay, you want to so apply that to your product pages too.
1: Okay, so one last question for getting how to do this. So, uh, all right, because so many sites just are template-driven. And, and when you think of it that way, sometimes you – I can hear the SEOs kind of yelling, well, you just took out all my links, right? My internal structure is done. Mm-hmm. So is this something that you might have a traffic channel, say, paid search or email marketing where you use these pages and you have a more template-driven site for the SEO part? Or, or how do you balance that? The ideal way to do that is if you're paying for traffic and you know exactly where it's coming from is to create
2: a special page for those products. So that applies to lead generation. That applies to single product sites that it can also apply to e-commerce sites because um, you want the landing page to keep the promise of the ad. The ads going to offer something very specific, discount, discount on shoes. So you might be sending a lot of that pay-per-click traffic to a, a category page typically, but you want to send it to a page that lists the products, gives access to the products, and keeps the promise. List that discount. lists the free shipping. Whatever the promise is, um, uh, very, very important that you keep that continuity going. And the only way to do that is to have these these specific pages. So I recommend separate landing pages for um, all of those ads. It becomes difficult to manage. There are ways to, to shortcut that, but um, very, very important for conversion rate.
1: Okay, so you may have one set that's your SEO with a lower conversion rate but has all your link structures and then your, your other traffic acquisition where you control things more than you can control you know, Google's bots um, for stuff, which makes sense. That's a way a lot of stuff to do. All right, so let's, let's get an execution then. So if we've got a blank page in front of us, there's nothing on it yet, what do we add first? So we start with a call
2: to action. What is it that you want them to do? And you're going to build the page around this. So you start with uh, a button. It's not even a button at this point, but it will generally end up being a button with the complete do this and you will get that. It might start very long. So typically what you do is you move some of the stuff that you would put on a big call to action button into the body. Um, the next okay. thing you want to do is is make sure that your heading keeps the promise that you made. And that forms the basic structure of what you're doing. Um you then have to ask, do I need to have any form fields here to complete this action? It could be anything from just the button that takes them to a purchase process, or it can be the purchase process on the landing page, which often tests well. Um, okay,
1: so okay, so we have we have a call to action first. We have a button. Mm-hmm. Then we have a headline. Is that your fulfill the promise? Right? Is that your headline? The the big H one at the top that someone's going to see first. That's
2: right. That's right. okay. All and right. it needs to say what was in the ad. So if you if it went in doubt,
1: copy whatever the ad promised. <laughs> that's that's fair. All right. So then okay, we've got a headline, we've got a call to action. So then someone's got to be able to do something. So that's where you're saying the form comes in or the add to cart button comes in is, is give the user something to do, correct? That's right. Okay. Um and so when you when you think through that, all right, give someone something to do. What are some of the pitfalls people run into with that? You know, I mean, obviously, forms leap to mind, but, you know, what are the best ways to construct something that gives someone, you know, something to do without going too far in what you're asking of them?
2: Sure. Probably the biggest pitfall is selling the company in this space rather than selling the offer. So in a lead generation situation, consultative site, if I've got a white paper, Um, and I spend a lot of time talking about how wonderful our company and its products are, which might be what the white paper is about, Uh, I'm missing the point. The landing page needs to sell the offer, so you need to give them all the reasons to download the white paper, to fill out the form and download the white paper. So instead of things about your company, you will want to have a table of contents perhaps for what's in the white paper, abstract for what's in the white paper, uh, a uh, bio of who wrote it and and why they're smart enough to – to to be listened to, that's where you want to focus on a landing page.
1: That's that's actually I love that point. Sell the product or the offer, not the uh, not the company. That's great. Okay, um, all right. So we gave them something to do. So now we have to sell this offer, right? So that's what you kind of just described there. Now mm-hmm. my question there is: All right, I've got this paper in front of me, and I've written down a button, I've written a headline, I've I've got some text going on. Um, my text could be really long. It could be really short. Does length matter should I already know my screen resolution when I start here I mean what you know am I using legal paper that's fourteen inches long or am I using you know postcard yeah and uh, that's a very
2: good question every audience is a little bit different but people know how to scroll and so if you need more information to really sell the offer offer it so on a product page in an e-commerce site uh, tabbed uh, sections have become very popular where you have the specs on one tab, you have ratings and reviews on another tab, uh, you might have um, uh, videos or supporting uh, images on another tab although it's always good to have the image on the page when they see it. Um, and this is a way of getting more information onto the page in a way that uh, visitors can can easily navigate to what they're looking for. And the key here is they need to be able to get everything they can without leaving the page. So Go ahead and make it as long as you need to sell the offer, and then no
1: longer. Okay, so you know what? This kind of brings back um, some some writing people I know. They they say, all right, write your offer and write it out whatever you need, and then get rid of one third of it. Right? That you you probably wrote too much. You don't need all these adjectives, so forth. Do you take that approach, or you just say, hey, we're good writers to begin with. We don't need to do serious editing, or, or what's a tip on the copy? Mm. So, eliminate uh, a third of it is, seems kind of arbitrary. But if
2: you've got a great copywriter that uses that process, um, let them do it. My thought is, uh, spend uh, spend on the copywriter. Hire somebody and, and, and reward them, pay them well, and then trust them. Uh, one of the biggest problems with landing pages is that the copywriter will come in. Uh, create a persuasive page and then it goes through marketing executives and internal folks it gets bled on and then all of the the color the metaphor and the juicy <laughs> words get sucked out of it until what you end up with is really just styrofoam this is especially true of um, business to business consultative sites it's just it's horrible to read Yeah, because people think they need to be safe trust your copywriters
1: hire a good one and trust your copywriters yeah, and my problem is usually legal in that aspect. Legal wants to sanitize everything. Um, so tell you what, we, we, we've been going for a bit here. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break, and we're going to finish this thought uh, about page length in a second with some above-the-fold information or questions or comments, whatnot. So let's take a quick break for our sponsors, and they will continue with designing your landing page backwards.
0: More marketing nirvana after we thank our sponsors. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org
2: the speed of sound webmasterradio.fm The flame thrower webmasterradio.fm we're everywhere
0: injecting new life into your internet marketing welcome back to marketing nirvana presented by certified knowledge.org only on webmasterradio.fm
1: and we're back talking with uh, brian massey the conversion scientist about building landing pages and taking the concept of doing it backwards and so you have you know, your button, your headline, your text. Text link seems a bit arbitrary, which is fine. Now, the notion of the fold. So you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, it, it screens were a particular size. If you had more than a 17-inch monitor, you were high tech. And, and so there really was proof that your offer needed to be above the fold. That seems to be – arbitrary these days, whether above the fold or just somewhere on the page is better. What have you found as far as where the offer or the actual button to click to make someone do something should be on the page? So um, for this,
2: we apply a little bit of a model that originally um, Brian and Jeffrey Eisenberg put together. They called the modes of of persuasion. And the bottom line is those folks that are going to make decisions quickly, at least initially, you want to make sure you're addressing their concerns above the fold, uh, and the fold is always going to be higher than you think because windows get opened partially, not often, not not always full screen. So we tend to try to be conservative about where that fold is. Um, so above the fold, you need to, uh, if if your offer itself, for instance, in a typical page, the button is not going to be above the fold. You need to make sure that your headline not only keeps the promise. But gives them a payoff. If you continue to explore this page, you will get this potential payoff. Something that will get them to stop and scroll. For a competitive okay. that's going to make a decision quickly, that works very well. And actually, honestly, most of us come starting off in a competitive mode. We we lo- we are looking for a reason to stay on this page. And if we don't, see it, we'll back button out of there.
1: So overall – Either have a great compelling headline or put your button above the fold and below at the bottom of the page as well.
2: Right. And this is where your copywriter comes in. So it's the headline, the subhead, and the first sentence of the first paragraph to get them into the page.
1: All right. Um, OK, so we have an offer, we have a button, we have something for someone to do. What's next? Um, I, I think it's titled Overcoming Resistance, right?
2: Yes. Um, And in this case, it's a a resistance to to continuing to scroll. So having an image of the product, if it's a product they're looking for, generating some sort of an image of the white paper that they're looking for, having a picture of a presenter for a webinar, uh, something that says, hey, I'm in the right place, um, and reinforces that visually. Below the fold, you want the methodicals and the humanists who make decisions more uh, slowly you want to place their information because they are more likely to scroll. So details about the the specifications, this is where you put the table of contents, uh, things like that, Um, information on the the company's uh, uh, trust and credibility can be there. And um, that's an important element because you want to visually build trust and logos of existing customers, better business bureau, associations you're a member of, Uh, Verisign and McAfee, if it's a purchase process, uh, those sorts of things build trust. And those can can be um, below the fold as people um, read more and say, huh, can I trust these guys?
1: What about social? Like two million people like us, like us too.
2: Uh, Social proof is a very powerful uh, persuasive element. I recommend using it. What we don't want to do on a landing page is send our hard-fought traffic off to uh, Mark Zuckerberg. So there's a difference between saying that you know we have you know two million customers or we've sold a million of these things, and using social proof. Uh, we're on Facebook. And in fact, links off to like our page on Facebook will generally pose a huge distraction because it makes me think, oh, I should go check Facebook and see what. My friends are doing. We don't want them thinking about that. We want them thinking about our offer.
1: Now, what about the Facebook embedded like where they don't leave the page versus a link to Facebook? Have you ever done any testing on that? I have not done any testing on that. I will say this: uh, one of our clients did a test
2: uh, at our recommendation, um, and we felt that they were in a they were in an industry where trust was an issue, and so we'd recommended trust symbols. They had a form on a page, a short form that where you would fill out your, your name and email address and submit. And they added a Facebook Connect button just below that. And what they found is that very few people clicked on the Facebook to connect with them, but it significantly increased the conversion rate on the form itself. So there was some bit of trust that that Facebook logo, that Facebook Connect logo added to the process, even though it didn't get clicked on very much. It was an 88% increase uh, in completion. So it was a significant increase. So I, um,
1: go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, I did one test with the company, and, and it was for a very consumer-oriented process. Out of the Facebook connect with the like button there, just via PPC, built over 2 million likes, um, increased conversion rates a lot. Did yeah. another one, it taints conversion rates. So like this is one of those things that I don't think is a blanket answer, um, you know, with social. But again, it, it depends what you want to do. Okay, interesting time. So, all right, I've got this blank page now. I've got a button, I've got an offer, I've got a product, I've got social proof, and I have some information to sell it. So, next, then, I need to organize all this stuff, right? I mean, I've done some while I was writing it down, but um, there needs to be some hierarchy of either content or information. How do we organize all this stuff now? Yeah, and this
2: is where you get your designer involved. So often we ask the designer to design our landing pages, and um, if we're able to hand hand them these components where they're positioned, their job is more that of a draftsman than a designer. So they're going to use positioning, white space, color, contrast, and they're going to make the page easily scannable by the human eye. That's what you want a designer to be able to do for you. Take the information that you believe is going to uh, increase, uh, maximize your conversion rates and then have them put it in the places and position it in a way that makes it easy to scan. Uh, that's the best use on a landing page for your designer.
1: Okay, so I, I've got a page now. So should I do this once, twice, five times, once for every product, twice for every product? Like, like what's How many of these pages should I be testing out, trying out, um, or creating? Well, um, it's going to be a, a, a combination of
2: your ability to manage the pages and the traffic that you're getting. So um, uh, as I said, if you could have a landing page for every ad – be it a banner ad or a pay-per-click ad or uh, even offers made in emails, that would be ideal. You could customize each and every one of those. Um, I think that you have to, to balance that against the resources that you have and your ability to manage those because if you have all these orphaned landing pages that live out there um, after things have passed, then it's not
1: going to help you out. It's
2: it's going to create some noise.
1: Um, it's just… CMS, any kind of CMS solution you recommend for managing Like, let's say we've got an e-commerce site and it's built in Mevor, it's built in whatever, and we have to manage it there. But we're we're willing to make some landing pages, um, mm-hmm. but we want a scalable way of managing them. Do you have a, any CMS recommendation for that? You know, the CMSs uh, are each each have their quirks. If you really wanted to do that using a
2: third-party landing page service like Unbounce or Lander. Uh, would be a, a great place to start, and then everything, all your landing pages are always on your dashboard. There, um, that also gives you an easy way to do split testing. It uh, becomes easy to create different versions of the landing pages. So that would be one solution. Uh, certain CMSs are really designed for it. I'm thinking of Ion Interactive's Live Ball, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, lives on your site, is a good CMS, and is really designed to get through people through generally a more complex multi-step conversion process. Um, other than that, um, uh, your, your testing tool can be a great way to, to manage those things. Again, what you want is a dashboard that keeps your landing pages in front of you so you can retire the appropriate ones and, and uh, build on the ones that are working.
1: Okay, so how many of these pages should I make? As many as you have the resources for. Okay, let's um, take one. Let's say I just do lead generation, right? And let's say I want one offer to begin with. Should I, should I make a multiple variations of the landing page? Uh,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. So you want to test those key elements. You have a, a hunch for what headlines are going to work to give the payoff, to get people into the page. But if you can test those, that's a great thing to test. Oftentimes, the call to action that you put on your button can make a difference in your landing page.
1: Okay. Um, one quick testing question. We'll take one more break. So I I took a blank piece of paper, right? And, and I wrote stuff out, and then I gave it to a designer, and so I guess there's two ways I can test, right? One is swapping out the elements I currently created. Another one is changing the visual layout of what I created with the same data. Which do you suggest between those two to start with?
2: Well, I'll tell you, our process is to come up with a list of hypotheses, uh, so we look at a page and we say, well, we think that if we move this up to the top, that it would increase conversion rate, or if we took away this distraction, it would increase conversion rate. And then you want to comp- you want to rank those, and then you rank them by a uh, how difficult is it to do this change? So, for instance, you might say if we put a video on here, this would be- this would increase conversion rate, but it generally takes quite a few resources to produce video, uh, as opposed to changing and testing a different headline or changing long copy versus short copy or adding tabs to the page. Um, So you rank those based on how difficult they are, how big an impact you think they'll have based on your experience with your customers. Uh, And uh, you start with the first one on the list, and you say, all right, we want to test this one. Uh, You say, we're going to swap out this against two or three or four different choices, for instance, headline. And it's going to depend on how much traffic you get as to how many versions you can can test and how long you want your test to run. Uh, And just start working through your hypothesis list.
1: Excellent. So let's take um, a quick break for our sponsors, and then we're going to come back and ask one of the, the big questions in this industry, which is AB versus multivariate. Just give Brian a moment to think about it. So let's take a quick break for our sponsors, and we'll continue our conversation.
0: More Marketing Nirvana after we thank our sponsors.
3: Rise links and web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. Majestic SEO wields its virtual sword with speed and accuracy to deliver detailed reports of your company's link data and that of your competition. Let Majestic SEO make you your own king of internet marketers and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic wield its mighty sword. MajesticSEO.com. It's good to be king.
0: How far do your ads reach? You don't have to fly around the world for the right consumers and clients to find your business. What you need is profit through performance. Location 3 Media helps you to increase your brand's findability and performance. Let Location3 Media help you create efficient and effective online marketing campaigns that fit your needs and get you results. We know every click starts a journey. Where will your brand be on the path? Visit Location3Media.com.
1: How much time do you spend on SEO research and competitor analysis? What if we told you that there was an easier, faster way? SearchMetrics SEO software propels you to top positions
0: on search engines around the world with our unique global search, social, and competitive data in over 60 countries. Gain a competitive advantage today
1: with SearchMetrics.com. That's SearchMetrics.com.
2: WebmasterRadio.fm, the destination for education and
0: entertainment. Injecting new life into your internet marketing. Welcome back to Marketing Nirvana, presented by Certified Knowledge.org, only on webmasterradio.fm.
1: And we're back talking with uh, Brian Massey, the conversion scientist, uh, about landing pages. We've sort of walked through backwards designing pages and some testing information and so forth. And so one of the, the big questions is do you do A/B testing? Do you do multivariate? Do you do both? Do you do neither? Well, neither should never be the answer. But where do you start, or uh, you know, with this testing, uh, infra, uh, testing possibilities?
2: So I would actually start with what I call serial testing, um, and that is where you don't control for for time. So you make changes, you you create a page, you instrument it, make sure that you can measure what's going on there. And you make changes, and you see if it changes anything. Uh, that, of course, if there are market changes or something like that, that can affect your test and give you false data. So the way to control for that is to do a split test uh, where you, uh, the first person that visits gets version A. The second person that gets that visits gets version B. The third person gets version C and goes around, and you get to see uh, at the same time which one's doing a better job for you. Multivariate more, test-
1: yeah, that's more A-B testing. Okay. yeah
2: that 's a b testing i 'm sorry a b split testing is is what we call it yes yeah, uh, multivariate requires more traffic it requires a bit more sophistication in terms of analyzing because with all of these you want to stop and ask, so why do we think this one won? What is it about our audience that made this one win um, and it becomes more difficult with multivariate testing, so we do very little multivariate testing however, if you 've got the traffic and you have and you want to quickly test through your hypothesis list. You can set up a number of different things on a page to change and let the software uh, that you're using tell you which particular combination worked best for that offer.
1: Yeah, I, I find multivariate. You're often guessing at why it was a better page as opposed to knowing it, which is more A, B or split testing gives you that. Um, so we're, we're about to wrap up here, but um, final words of wisdom.
2: Final words of wisdom. You know, I think probably the, the the distinction between those that really make conversion work for them and don't is is cultural. So um, uh, this is something that is more than buying tools. Uh, if you can get people on your team that understand how to turn the knobs and pull the levers, ask the questions, naturally are interested in spending time in analytics, you're going to be amazed at um, at how quickly the the culture changes. People start asking questions about well, this is a a great idea. Let's say we want to add something to the site. This is a great idea. Does it apply to any of our personas if we have those? And then is there any evidence in the analytics that would say this is a good idea? Um, And if there is no evidence, then you say, well, how could we test this? And an organization that has... That is that embraces it, that is interested in, in, in measurement and in management by fact is going to have a huge advantage over its competitors because it's going to learn more about its visitors more quickly than its
1: competitors. Oh, that's, a, that's great final words of wisdom. Hey, this was fantastic. So um, how can people find you online if they want to learn more? Uh, they'll find us at theconversionscientist.com and uh, if
2: you're interested in learning more about what's in the book... Go to
1: customercreationequation.com. And you're on Twitter too, right? I am. I'm on Twitter at BMassy. BMassy. Perfect. M A S S E Y. And of and course, in the show notes, I will put links to all these things so it's easy to find. Um, hey, that was great, Brian. Thanks, thanks a whole lot for, uh, for being for here having today. Me. Yeah, it was fantastic. Excellent. It was fantastic. And uh, thank you, listeners, for joining us for another episode of Mark Nirvana. As a reminder, the show notes and information about our guests can be found on certifiedknowledge.org. New episodes of Mark and Evonik can be found Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find archives of our past episodes at webmasterradio.fm, Stitcher, iTunes, or the webmasterradio.fm iPhone app or on Google Play. So pretty much everywhere these days. Thank you for listening.